Hi, welcome to my podcast, where today I'll talk about how Jesus preached in his hometown of Nazareth, telling them that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, anointing him to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel. Therefore, I call the six books that I've written the General Counsel Series. The first four books of the series outline the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of America and the history of the Church Universal. I post my latest thoughts regularly on my website, timharner.com. For this podcast, please reflect on the questions, considering that Jesus returned to his hometown in the power of the Spirit of the Lord, why didn't the people in his hometown become followers of Jesus after they heard him preaching? Why did the people in the hometown of Jesus ridicule him and threaten his life? Considering the negative reactions to his preaching, even in his hometown, why didn't Jesus give up? Why did the power of the Spirit of the Lord that anointed Jesus prioritize preaching good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, and freedom for the oppressed? Why didn't Jesus use the power of the Spirit of the Lord to mobilize the power of money, the power of religion, and the power of the kingdoms of the world to make the poor rich, the prisoners free, the blind see, and the oppressed free? And now, as I talk about Jesus preaching in his hometown, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Today's thoughts are based on the chapter Jesus preaches in his hometown of Nazareth in my book, Hoping in the Lord. If one thing is clear from Jesus' visit to his hometown of Nazareth, it's that we're far better off hoping in the Lord than hoping in our hometown. This visit to Nazareth came in the early part of Jesus' ministry. The Gospel of Luke says that at this time in Jesus' life, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. During this period of growing fame and popularity, Jesus decided to visit his hometown of Nazareth, where he had been brought up. I imagine that Jesus visited with some boyhood friends and many relatives. I also imagine that many people sought out their old pale Jesus, even if in fact they'd had little or nothing to do with him when he was growing up. Nothing succeeds like success. So now that the news about him spread through the whole countryside, and everyone praised him, people would have been eager to see Jesus and take some credit for his fame. Since most of this was phony friendship, I assumed that Jesus was not impressed. In fact, 
Given Jesus' usual directness and punching holes in people's pretensions and facades, I imagine he quickly turned a fair number of these fair-weather friends into grumbling gossips and enemies. I suspect that some of them even dared to dust off old gossip about Mary becoming pregnant before she was married. Jesus probably already foresaw that things would not go smoothly if he spoke in the synagogue. But Jesus was never one to shrink from controversy. He accepted the honor of preaching in the synagogue that Sabbath. Jesus read from a prophecy in the scroll of Isaiah the prophet that fit perfectly with Jesus' vision of the kind of Messiah he would be. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The passage did not speak of a conquering military hero who would drive the Romans from Israel. The passage did not speak of a showy miracle worker who would cater to everyone's selfish desires for power, fame, wealth, and sex. Instead, the passage spoke of a disciplined servant of God who fasts in the desert, rejecting the temptations to become a self-indulgent Messiah. The passage spoke of a good friend turning water into wine at a wedding so that everyone's joy would become complete. The passage spoke of a patient teacher freeing the Pharisee Nicodemus from narrow-minded preconceptions so that he could be born again from above. The passage spoke of a kind counselor bridging ancient distrust, hatred, and prejudices so that a Samaritan woman could learn to worship God in spirit and in truth. The passage spoke of a promised land where all peoples would be blessed. Jesus stopped reading the passage in the middle of a couplet. The full poetic couplet read, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. By leaving off the part about the day of vengeance, God emphasized his role in giving us hope by proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Whether because of this variation from the normal reading of the passage, or because people had heard so much about Jesus that they were transfixed with anticipation, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him as he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Then Jesus began his sermon by making a bold claim. He said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We aren't told what the next part of Jesus' sermon was about. Apparently, the initial reaction was favorable. Luke tells us all people spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Then the tide of public opinion turned against him. They started asking, Isn't this Joseph's son? They couldn't accept Jesus for who he really was. They couldn't accept that Jesus and his family were better or more important than they were. 
a passage in the Gospel of Matthew sets forth their reasoning and their anger, their contempt and their scoffing this way. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Jesus rebuked these scoffers. They were demanding that he prove himself by performing miracles like he had in Capernaum. But when tempted in the desert, Jesus refused to prove he was the Messiah by performing dazzling miracles or by showing off by doing such stunts as jumping off the top of the temple and having angels catch him. Now, Jesus resisted the similar temptation to prove himself to these local yokels in his hometown by performing miracles. Instead, Jesus tried to change their perspectives about who he was and broaden their horizons about how God acts. With Nicodemus, Jesus helped him to see that he needed to be born again and let the wind of God's Spirit blow on whoever God chose. With the Samaritan woman, Jesus helped her to see that she needed to worship God in spirit and in truth, regardless of what sins and prejudices were in her past. With the people in his hometown, he also tried to get them to see such truths, to get them to see that the promised land blesses all peoples. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. To prove this observation, he reminded them about events in the lives of two of Israel's greatest prophets, Elijah and Elisha. When there was a severe famine, Elijah was not sent to a widow in Israel, but to a widow in the region of modern Lebanon. And when Elisha healed a leper, he did not heal a leper from Israel. Instead, he healed a foreigner, Naaman the Syrian, who commanded the army of Israel's enemy. Jesus' illustrations did not convince his hometown detractors. Instead, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Their scoffing turned to rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. So when people reject your wise advice and good counsel, try not to take it to heart. Jesus had the same problem. There was nothing wrong with Jesus. He had the power of the Spirit in his life. He had a clear purpose and a noble mission for his life. Nevertheless, his hearers rejected him. They even tried to kill him. Perhaps this was one of the incidents that Jesus had in mind when he told this proverb. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Fortunately, this mob did not succeed in killing him. Instead, Jesus walked right through the crowd and went on his way. 
Presumably, Jesus escaped through some combination of miraculous help from God and timely assistance from his friends and relatives. Even more amazing than that Jesus escaped the mob is that he did not give up his ministry. After barely escaping death, Jesus went on his way. If it had been me, my way would probably have been as far away from controversy and danger as possible. But not Jesus. He went to another town and began to teach the people. And he did not preach timidly. The people were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. Where did Jesus find the courage and determination to carry on his mission in the face of rejection by his own hometown? He found it from hoping in the Lord. If he'd been hoping in his hometown, he'd have given up. But he was secure in the knowledge that God still had a purpose for his life, even though so many old friends and neighbors scoffed at him and rejected this purpose. Jesus drew renewed strength from his certainty that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Since we follow Jesus, his mission then is still our mission today. And that same mission, that same purpose for our lives, can renew our strength today just as it renewed Jesus' strength then. Unlike our hometown, it is a hope that will never fail us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on my website, timharner.com. My book, Hoping in the Lord, contains citations to sources, including the scriptures. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace.